At this time, the children may be dismissed for children's church and preschool play and worship. And as they are on their way out, I'll invite you to find your Bible or a Bible in front of you. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. The scripture is not going to be projected this morning. Uh, Tom caught a typo that I'd made that I thought would be distracting, so he decided to just chunk it out. Um, So you'll want to have your Bible in front of you as we study Mark chapter 2. It's going to be Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. And you may remain seated. I'm just going to read these verses together, and then we'll pray for God to teach us. And then I have a two-point sermon to offset all those announcements. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. One Sabbath, he, being Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what King David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I'm thankful we have God's word to read. Would you pray with me? Let's ask for God to teach us this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Or please give us eyes that see and ears that hear and soft hearts. Lord, help us not to be like the Pharisees. Please show us any ways in which we are like the Pharisees. Or please make this passage, this short, simple passage, blazingly applicable to our lives. Help us to be captivated by your truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you. So this passage may seem at first to be about the Sabbath, uh, but it's not really about the Sabbath. It's really more about the Pharisees and Jesus. So this is part one of a little two-parter that I'm going to do with you because the next passage is, is a continuation of, of the same struggle we're going to look at in this passage. But if it was projected up there, you would see the title would be, How to Be a Pharisee. You see, the Pharisees and Jesus did not get along at all. Um, yes, this battlefield here is about the Sabbath, but the war between the Pharisees and Jesus has to do with much more than just the Sabbath, Sabbath specifically. This instance here... It's sort of strike three between the two of them. The first one was when Jesus began to teach in the synagogue and he taught with authority that surpassed the scribes and the Pharisees. They didn't like that. It made them look bad. The second strike was when Jesus ate with sinners. They didn't like that. That didn't look good. That didn't make any sense to them. And then here's strike three. He seems to be breaking the Sabbath laws and they don't like that. So we're going to talk a lot about the Sabbath, and you'll learn a lot about the Sabbath this Sunday and next Sunday, but that's not really what it's about. It's about the danger of what I'll call Phariseeism. Okay, that's not something that you guys probably worry about a lot, but it's something I worry about a lot for myself and for you. 
because we are always in danger as church people of being like the Pharisees. You know, they weren't that different from us. And the same temptations that they faced, we face. There's nothing new under the sun. So those of you who are here this morning, most of you are faithful church attending Christians. And I don't think the danger for most of you is going to be, you know, that a drug dealer is going to pull up in front of your house and you're going to go and start becoming a drug addict. I think it's probably more subtle for us who are here, who are the church people. So it's a very real danger, and I really want you to be aware of it and to be on guard against it. So over this Sunday and next Sunday, I'm going to have uh, five ways to be a Pharisee. I want you to watch out for these ways as they may accumulate in your life. This Sunday, we're just going to look at two. Okay, the first way to be a Pharisee is to miss the point. To miss the point. Let's think about the Sabbath for a minute. That's what they're arguing about. Is the Sabbath a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing, right? I mean, think about the Ten Commandments. They're almost all negatives. You know, don't worship other gods. Don't make graven images. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder somebody. Don't lie. Don't steal. Or I mean, don't bear false witness, rather. And then there's two positive ones. Keep a Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Rest on the Sabbath day. And honor your father and mother. Those are unique among the commandments in that they're positives. But the honor your father and the mother can sometimes feel negative because sometimes our fathers and our mothers aren't all that honorable. And you don't have to like turn around and look at them if they're here this morning. But this can, can be hard. It can be tricky to figure out how to honor your father and mother. Relationships between uh, parents and children can get really, really complicated. But this one, take a day off, that's all good, right? Take one day a week and just take the day off. That's a command from God. That should be the easy one, shouldn't it? There's no command like that. I can't find where it's just, just take it easy for a day. Just stop. Just rest. Just remember that I've done it all already and you can just rest. And I would argue that even though it's the most positive, it's probably the most broken command of all the commandments. I bet you have not murdered people nearly as much as you've broken the Sabbath. Raise your hand if you've murdered someone more than you've broken the Sabbath. I didn't think so. I took this uh, evangelism course, I've mentioned it to you before, called Evangelism Explosion. Have any of you ever heard of Evangelism Explosion, EE? No? Some? Okay, Jeff. Uh, this is something that we did in my Southern Baptist Church, and it's a program that teaches you exactly the steps to go through with someone while you are evangelizing them. It sounds very aggressive, doesn't it? So it gives you the questions to ask, and really there's two questions that begin it, begin the conversation, and one of them is, uh, if you were to die today, remember this is a Baptist program, if you were to die today and you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Okay, so let's reframe that a bit. If you were to die today and the Baptists were right and, and you were to immediately stand before God in heaven and he said to you, okay, look, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to be perfect. I know I gave you a lot of rules and a lot of laws. Um, Let's just throw all those out and we'll just look at the easiest one. Okay? If you kept the Sabbath, if you at least did that, then you can come on in. Would any of us make the cut? No. No, even that, the easiest commandment, we can't even come close to, to doing. We're so messed up. We're so messed up. So for us, 
you know, I'll bet that you probably have not done a great job of keeping the Sabbath in your life. You know, life is busy, demands are constant, and there's work to be done. And if we don't do it, the whole world's going to fall apart. At least that's how it feels. Now, for the Pharisees, they had a different problem. Their problem wasn't ignoring the Sabbath. Their problem was observing it so much that they stopped observing it. Their problem was surrounding it with extraneous rules about observing it, that it became more work to observe it than to not observe it. They're what you would call legalists. They added laws to the law. So they see Jesus and the disciples walking through the grain field, and the disciples are hungry, I guess, so they pluck some heads of grain, and I guess they're just going to eat it as they go. They're not plucking it to harvest it and sell it or anything. And they get angry about it. And it seems ridiculous to us, but you have to understand they had added the, the full list. Once it was all compiled, they had added 39 categories of work that one could not do if they were going to obey the Sabbath. Okay, I'm going to list them off quickly. Planting. These are things you, you could not do on the Sabbath if you were going to obey it, if you were a Pharisee. Planting, plowing, reaping. Now, reaping, they, they wouldn't even allow you to climb a tree for fun with your kid for fear that you might accidentally knock off a, something and that would be like reaping or ride a horse who might accidentally plow something up by accident. Gathering, threshing, winnowing. Winnowing is, is like separating uh, things that are unwanted from things that are wanted. So one example I saw, if you're eating peanuts and it has the little brown thin skins on it and some of those are flaking off, if you do this, that's winnowing and you just broke the Sabbath. Sorting. Oh, if you have a bowl of peanuts and raisins, and if you're like me and you can't stand what people have done to grapes to turn them into raisins, and it's a crime against nature, and you don't want the raisins, you just want the peanuts, you can't pick out the raisins, take the bad from the good. That's work on the Sabbath. You can take out the peanuts, take the good from the bad, that's not considered work on the Sabbath. Okay, are you guys getting all this? Okay. Grinding, sifting, kneading, cooking, shearing, uh, laundering, you know, cleaning your clothes, combing, dyeing, spinning, warping, which had to do with the way they made fabrics, uh, forming loops, which again had to do with that whole fabric making thing, weaving, separating two threads, tying, untying. However your shoes were entering into the Sabbath is how they must remain until the Sabbath is over. Sewing, tearing, trapping, slaughtering, skinning, uh, one, I can't read my handwriting, but similar smoothing, scoring, cutting, writing, erasing, building. Oh, the build in more modern days, this building one is taken to mean also you can't put up a tent or anything like that, including opening an umbrella is almost like building a little tent. So you can't do that on the Sabbath or you've broken the Sabbath. Demolition, uh, extinguishing a fire even if the fire is destroying your property, igniting a fire, uh, putting the finishing touches on something. They had a Hebrew word for that, but that's the best English equivalent and moving things from like one room into another. Like I can move my Bible from here to over here, but if I move my Bible from here to in my office, that would be work and I would have broken the Sabbath. That's the world the Pharisees were living in. Okay. So we're over here just basically Many of us, if we're honest, or maybe I'm just thinking about myself, often just ignoring the Sabbath altogether. And then they're over here. They have built a whole world of rules and restrictions around the Sabbath. 
they're consumed with keeping the Sabbath meticulously. Because the, the more you keep it, the holier you are in their minds. So they see Jesus and his guys walking through a grain field and they broke probably 10 of those rules just by plucking the grain and they probably had to clear some stuff off of it. They're breaking a lot of the rules that they set up. That's why they were upset. And then Jesus' response, look down in your Bibles at verse 27. And he said to them, we'll go back to that story he tells, but for this point. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, they had missed the whole point. The Sabbath was supposed to be like a gift, but they turned the gift around and enslaved themselves to it. The gift was never meant to enslave God's people. It was meant to be a, a rest, a restoration day. And they ruined it and they distorted it. This is what we do all the time. I know you're not doing that with the Sabbath. But I need you to watch your lives to see if you're doing that with other gifts that God has given us. We do this when things that we get to do become things that we have to do. We know that we're doing this when our children say, why do we have to go to church again? And you say, because we're supposed to. As opposed to because we get to go worship the one true God. We, we're Christians. We're, we get to go be with our brothers and sisters and have fellowship with them. We haven't seen them in a week. We get to go and open the word together and pour into it and hear God's voice. That's where the, the heart is, the desire is, over here where we're supposed to. That's Phariseeism. Missing the point will make us a Pharisee. So think for a moment about the point. What is the point? What's the point of what we're doing right now? Is it to, to have a worship service, to attend a worship service, to maintain a weekly worship service? Or is it to worship God together? I mean, we worship God all week long with every choice we make, but here we come and we do it together. Is the point programs or is the point loving people? Is the point when our nominating committee comes together in a few months? You guys will learn who's on the nominating committee and then when you see their number come up on caller ID, you won't answer. Is the point of all that to fill slots? Or is the point of all this that the Holy Spirit has gifted us supernaturally to be the body of Christ and we get to serve. I've, you know, if I was uh, a more authoritarian leader, I have always wanted to just throw that whole thing out and just say, figure out what your spiritual gift is and do it. And we'll just see what we become. Maybe we won't even have Sunday school. Who knows? Maybe there will be no one who feels called to be the Sunday school superintendent and no one who feels called to be the assistant Sunday school superintendent. And we just won't do it. It might be better than dragging people kicking and streaming into some of these things, which we've done in the past. I'm not saying we're doing that because I'm not prepared. To, I don't even know how to do that. But do you see the difference between those two? You know, the Holy Spirit has given you some gift. Maybe you're just an encourager and that's just purely what you do. And you just are able to build people up with your words. Just do that. Don't, don't worry about the, oh, I'm supposed to. Pharisees say, well, I'm supposed to. Christians say, I get to. Is it about attendance or making disciples? Is it about 
having a quiet time or staying grafted into the vine and, and being alive spiritually. And some of us just reading our Bibles is just dry discipline. We do it because we have to. We do it because we're supposed to. Man, if you've ever opened it and had what Meredith was talking about where the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to it and your ears and you, you're hearing God's voice and you realize he's sitting down across from you and he's talking to you specifically. And he means for you to live in light of it. Man, there's nothing more invigorating and exciting than that. So let's remember the point. Let's not miss the point. The second way to be a Pharisee is to miss the word. And this is where we'll go back to his little story that he told. So when they first started arguing with him about this, he says, have you never read what David did? Well, of course they'd read what David did. These were the religious people. They weren't the scribes, so they weren't the ones who were copying it by hand, but they were the ones who learned directly from the scribes. They knew their Bibles. They knew this story about David. Of course they'd read it. And Jesus was probably just messing with them. Well, haven't you ever read? They probably just read it that morning. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Okay, so this isn't about the Sabbath, what he's talking about. It's about David and some of his men who were hungry. They were on the run from King Saul, who's trying to kill them. And they were really hungry, and they kind of barged into, how does he say it? The house of God kind of barged in to the temple and sees the priest and says, we've got to eat something. And the priest looks around and he says, well, all I have is the showbread. The showbread, they were supposed to always be this fresh loaf of bread in the temple. And then as it became unfresh, they would remove it and put a, a fresh loaf there. And this was sacred bread. This was holy bread. Only the priests were considered clean enough to eat it after it was removed. So for the priest to say, well, I've got this showbread, you want it? That was shocking. I mean, that, it would be slightly like if we were doing the Lord's Supper and somebody came in starving and we just gave them a tray and said, well, here you go, man. And they just started gobbling it up. It's slightly like that, but way, way worse because this was the temple and now this isn't the temple. This is just a building. We're the temple. So that's all different. And um, this was like holy bread and now... Those physical objects aren't the same anymore. Those are just pieces of bread that represent the holy bread, Jesus Christ. So it's sort of like that, but way, way worse. And God is saying, you know, God allowed it because these men were hungry. You know, we're, we're not meant to be slaves to these things. These things are meant for us to be able to worship. What you've done with the Sabbath would be like that priest saying, no, you've got to starve to death, even though I do have this bread here. He cares about the hunger. He cares about the people. And the Pharisees knew this story, but they just missed it. And they did this a lot. They heard the word a lot, but they missed it. And see that we're in that same danger zone. Many of you hear the word a lot. You hear it a lot, but are you catching it? Or is it like the Pharisees just flying right by? And maybe you're saying, well, Matt, maybe if you were a better preacher... Well, they were in this moment hearing the word from the word. They were hearing the word from Jesus' own lips and they were missing it. Now, if, if they can sit at Jesus' feet and hear the word and miss it, 
if we're pharisaical, it doesn't matter how good the teacher is. There's a heart problem. It doesn't matter how entertaining I can be up here and how um, eloquent I can be. If there's a heart problem there, it's just not going to sink in. It's just going to fly right overhead. Hearing is no guarantee that we're following Jesus. Hearing really, really good teachers, reading really, really good books is no guarantee that we're following Jesus. It's doing, acting on what we hear. I'll read you the famous passage from James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if we hear and hear and hear, but never respond, respond and respond, we're like the Pharisees and we're like a person who looks in a mirror for a long time but does nothing. You know, how many of you men feel as though your women take longer than you to get ready to go to church on a Sunday morning and are willing to admit that? Okay, I see like his little hands kind of going up. So let's just say your wife takes, let's just go crazy and say she takes like four hours to get prepared. Okay, I'm going to exaggerate so that I know I'm shooting hopefully above and beyond. Some of your husbands are like, that's about right. So let's say it's four hours, um, you know, gets up at 4 a.m. to make sure there's time. And you, you hear that, you know, she's clinking around in the bathroom, um, assuming that she's getting ready. All this time in front of the mirror, all the cosmetics out, all the um, hair implementation tools are out. And the shower is there and the clothes are there. And then after four hours, she comes out. She looks just like she did when she rolled out of bed. What were you doing? That's what we do when we come to church over and over and over again and never change. Some of us have been in this process for decades. And some of us are still the same old, crusty, sinning, hardened, prideful people that we were when we began. Well, what have you been doing? Well, I've been looking in the mirror and I've been hearing the truth, but I haven't been doing anything about it. See, that's what the Pharisees were like. We don't want to be like that. So think about it. When was the last time you specifically had to respond to God's word? The Holy Spirit in you would not allow you not to respond to it. Looking back over the last year, two, three years, five years, however long, do you see a trajectory of change toward Christ-likeness? Or do you see that you've been just doing the same religious rituals for a decade and you're still just the same old person that you always were? So there ought to be a, a putting off of the old self and a putting on of the new self over time for Christians. I'm not expecting us to be perfect. By any means, Jesus is the perfect one. But we need to be honest with ourselves here. We, we don't want to be those people who stand face-to-face with Christ and we march in feeling good because we did this, we did that, and we did that. We, we cast out demons in his name, as the scripture says. We, you know, we went to church every Sunday, and Jesus says, you may have been doing a lot of stuff, but I never knew you. We don't want to be that. 
I desperately don't want any of us to be like that. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't do anything. I'm not a Pharisee. I don't care about the Sabbath or any other laws, so I guess I'm safe. Well, well, hopefully God is drawing you in and you can, at the beginning, get this and not accidentally divert into Phariseeism, but go straight for Christ. Don't miss the point and don't miss the word. I hope that you all have experienced the invigorating joy of an open Bible and an open heart and the feeling of God working on you and working in you and speaking to you. If you've never experienced that, I want you to let me know. And I want to pray for you that God does that for you, maybe this week. And I want you to find a time to just sit there, open Bible, open heart. Just pray for the Lord to start to really work in you. And don't, don't be busy doing, doing the stuff you feel like you're supposed to do. Look to Jesus Christ. I don't want any of us to miss the point. I don't want any of us to miss the word. I want us to remember the point of all this, what we're doing. Especially as we head into summer, I've got all these grand plans. You know, those plans may amount to nothing. Who knows? Let's not miss the point in all of it. Let's respond to the word that we hear. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus and how gracious he is toward us sinners and how gracious he is toward us who have pharisaical tendencies. Lord, may we be a people who who get it. May we be like your disciples who follow after Jesus and not get consumed with religious stuff that wears us out and stresses us out and tires us out. Lord, may we just sink into the way you've planned our lives to be. Receive the grace you've provided for us through Jesus. And please protect us from these dangers. Help us to be genuine disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.